Hi there, and welcome to The Creative Endeavor. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. And in this episode, episode number 34, I'm talking to Dino Cook, who's a tattoo artist, a painter, and an underwater photographer. All of those three things in one. He's based in Georgia in the United States. Now, Dino is a really inspired guy, and he's totally dialed in creatively. And he's achieved such an amazing level of success within his career so far. But his success did not come without a price. He's certainly been through his fair share of trials and tribulations, and he's come through that the other side so much stronger. Now he is laser focused. I mean, this guy is on fire. He's kicking major goals with his tattoo studio, which has been running in the same location for the last 25 years. He's also doing some incredible paintings, and his underwater photography is just mind-blowing. This guy's out there living it and doing it. I mean, he's diving with sharks, tiger sharks, real tiger sharks. Just let your brain process that for a minute. And this is all fueling that art. Now, I always come away from these conversations, like the one I had here with Dino Cook, just so inspired. And it's my hope that by hearing these inspiring stories from these creative professionals from all around the world, that we'll gain some insight and maybe a little something that we can apply to our own creative story, just to kick things up a notch for us. Now, hopefully you're listening to these sorts of podcasts while you're in the studio working on your own creative projects. And if this fuels your inspiration, and this is something that helps your day move Move along and adds just a little bit of positivity and a little bit of encouragement and motivation to you, then please do me a huge favor and share this episode. Look, I know you're going to love it. So just go ahead and share it before you even listen to it. I really appreciate that. Share it to your social media on Instagram or on Facebook. Thank you so much. Now, without further ado, let's get stuck into this episode, episode number 34 with Dino Cook and the Creative Endeavor. Well, Dino Cook, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Welcome to The Creative Endeavor. I'm happy to be here. Really stoked. Awesome, man. Look, I want to do a deep dive into your work, into your story and your beginnings. Um, People would have already heard the introduction, so they know a little bit about you already. But why don't you take us back to the start of your artistic journey and uh, how you began or or I guess... When did you first get the uh, inkling or the, uh, no pun intended, uh, the urge to tattoo people? Because I I, got to be honest with you, tattoo is something that scares the crap out of me. I I, I don't think I'll get one. I mean, scares the crap out of me is if I had to do it to somebody. You can't erase, dude. Like, that's pretty pretty tricky stuff. So when did you first realize you wanted to get into this? And, And maybe tell me a little bit about it. It really came uh, later in my life. Uh, I I always felt like I was going to be an artist. Uh, My father was an artist, and he had a master's degree in photography. And when I was a child, I never went to daycare. They had a basically a daycare set up for me at my mother and father's photography studio. And so 
looking back on it, it's, it was kind of a prophetic thing that he did. I was never allowed to color in my coloring books. I uh, always was made to trace pages, like tracing paper, and trace all the pages and color my tracing paper so that even when I had filled up every page, I could go back and do it time and time again, or I could do it different ways, or as I advanced, I could go back and have another crack at it. And uh, so that was really where the start began. But so that led me to believe I always felt like in my soul and my bones that I would be an artist of some type, had no idea what that would be or where that would lead me. Uh, Never had the slightest inclination that it would be tattooing. When I first heard about it, I hate to even admit this now, but I felt like, oh, that was beneath me. I'm, I'm, I should be doing more than just tattooing. But ta- the tattoo industry and the tattoo world back in those days had not progressed to what it is now. And now it's like one of the most incredible art forms that you can imagine. And so I, I felt like uh, I was intended for something different. But at the same time, it was an avenue where I could use my skill sets and at least have me in an art arena, if you will. And that sounded a lot better than a nine to five job or I was actually, you know, I had jobs painting houses, painting cars. Looking back on it, I've always painted something, whether it's skin, people, canvases, houses, cars, whatever. And uh, so it was at least something to get me using my skill sets if you will. And so I, I embraced it because of that. And I thought maybe it would be a temporary stepping stone. Little did I know it would absolutely totally consume me in my life. And it'll take your health. It'll take whatever you allow it to take from you. I, I, maybe take is not the right word. Just depends on your approach to it. But it's an all consuming lifestyle art form. And uh, maybe a first decade or so I've bought it a little bit much into the lifestyle a little too much and uh, had to make some adjustments there. And it, it led me to where I'm at today. But that, you know, to answer your question, that that's how it started. I had a friend that had a friend that owned a tattoo shop and he kept seeing my artwork that I would do and the portfolio I kept. And I had a portfolio really for no reason other than I knew at some point it was going to take me somewhere uh, in an art arena. And so he connected the two dots and the rest was history, so to speak. I pretty much immediately went into it. And other people who paid such heavy dues to get into this industry would probably cringe to hear me say that I just kind of had it handed to me. And even then, I kind of frowned upon it. And he had to, like, drag me kicking and screaming up there to even pursue it. And uh, looking back on it, I, I almost lost my opportunity by being so reluctant. And it's been one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. I've been tattooing longer than I have been tattooing at this point. So well over half of my life. That's an incredible, um, incredible journey so far. How, so, so this industry really, I mean, I I guess it all hinges upon your portfolio, what you're able to produce, because I imagine if if you're going to walk into a studio somewhere and say, Hey, I want to tattoo on people that, that, that tattoo studio is going to go, well, what can you do? What can you draw? So, but prior to tattooing, you were just consumed by your art, drawing, painting, doing that sort of stuff, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, it was hard to stay consistent with it because I had to work and make a living. And 
you know, we're talking about at this point, late teens, early twenties. So I had a lot of other priorities at that time that weren't keeping my skills so sharp, if you will. And, you know, you got to grow up and move through those things. But, uh, yeah, you know, like these days I can say wholeheartedly that 100% my life is all about art. I mean, I have totally dedicated myself and my world around me to nothing but art. Now, I mean, I've been following you on social media for, for a long while now. And uh, I, I see that that art has really kind of taken over and, and this journey is just starting to explode for you. But, um, you know, your work is, is exceptional, do you know what I mean? Because I, I follow tattoo guys and, I, and, and, I, and, and really get into that, that realm. And sometimes I've been thinking, shall I get one? Shall I, not? I don't know. But I appreciate it as an art form. But then you're, you're taking it to another level with drawing and painting as well. And I should just mention that like the themes that you, uh, that you mainly deal with appear to be marine themes and, and you, know, uh, you know, marine life, you know, whether it's sea turtles or sharks or a fish of some description. Tell me about that. Tell me about your inspiration and what, what you... Uh, what you're really drawn to there, because it's exquisite stuff you're producing. Well, my love for the sea started around the same time as my love for art, and it took, it's, it's odd that it took me so many years to connect the dots, um, because I literally, I have an uncle who introduced me to the ocean when I was still in diapers, and I would spend my summers at his house, and he would have me out crabbing and fishing in the bay at sunup and literally going around catching crabs with my diapers on. And so it was it, the seed was planted at that point and it, it's never done anything except for explode and grow on a consistent basis throughout my whole life. And I'm, I'm a water sign. And so if you believe in that, I feel like that that played into it. And it, I just feel like I'm, I'm meant to be in water as much as I am on land. And so it kind of dawned on me one day that the attention that I was getting from certain people for marine life that I was just doing hit and miss here and there, just the occasional person that would ask for it. And I wasn't taking the bull by the horns and trying to steer my career, or my portfolio in that direction. So it wasn't getting the consistent hits that it would if I had done so. So at that time, I was really known for realism and color portraiture and pinup girls and I got I got really known in the probably late 90s early 2000s for uh, like these erotic pinup girls that I was doing and uh, no not knocking them at all no offense to people that love them uh, you know you do you uh, I just noticed that for me specifically some of the people I was encountering um, I just didn't vibe with as much and I'll even go as far as to say some of them were kind of creepy and then when I would tattoo these people that were getting marine life scenes or just a marine life piece of any type the conversation would change the, the connection would change it just was so lighthearted and it just felt right it seemed right I started making ultimate friendships with true watermen and it led to us getting out. A lot of them were boat owners, and it, it opened up a lot of doorways to me that um, I, I pursued. And 
So at that point, it dawned on me that this is it for me. This is my calling. This is what I should be doing. And over the years, I have learned the value in that. And then I set my sights on pursuing that vigorously. And so it, it, it really has allowed me to blur the lines between work and play. Um, I really don't ever work and I really don't ever play. So what I mean by that is to some of the guys at the studio or to people that follow me on Instagram, it may look like this glamorous thing I'm out doing when I'm out at sea and traveling and it looks fun and it looks inviting and don't get me wrong. It is, or I wouldn't do it, but I work way harder when I'm on location and out at sea than I ever thought about working in the studio. And I work super hard in the studio, but it is, it is so taxing and so grueling to go do what I do. And I, and, but I choose to do it on that level too. Not everybody, you know, I'm, I'm sun up to sun down, uh, the whole time when I'm in the water and I, I get everything out of it that I can. So it's a lot of hard work. You know, obviously I love it or I wouldn't do it. There's nobody standing over me, making me do it. My wife has to remind me to take a break and often she'll have to lean over the side of the boat to feed me something. Cause I'll literally spend the entire day in the water, never touch land, never touch the boat. And so you just got to love what you do to do it to that level. And so when I'm at work at the studio, I'm still living vicariously through my art. I'm still out at sea with everything I do every single day. You know, um, right now it's, it's shark week. And so I, I always laugh this time of year. I'm like every week's shark week in my studio. <laughs> like I live it and breathe it. It's constant for me. It never stops. And so, um, and it, and it also, you know, makes it everything I do super legit for the tax man. Every trip I go on, all my gear I buy, cameras, dive gear, expeditions that I go on. Uh, it all shows up immediately in my art. There's, there's literally no argument there. There's no room to argue. Um, I, every time I go on an expedition, I immediately come back and start producing tattoos and paintings from what I have just captured. I, in fact, I'm leaving tomorrow morning and going for an uh, eight-day round with whale sharks. We're already talking about extending it another five days. So I just did whale sharks earlier this month, but they're incredible. And right this time of year, they are uh, congregating in the Yucatan Peninsula for uh, wow. feeding reasonings. And so you'll literally see hundreds of them at once, all in one area. So it's, it's not uncommon to, you can turn around in a three, 360 degree view, you might see at any one time, 50 of them with their heads poking out feeding in the water it's amazing that is gnarly dude like that is so and i i know whale sharks are you know relatively harmless they don't have the big teeth and the jaws like most other sharks uh but like you that's are that's the one downside <laughs> <laughs> that's the one downside i thought you might say something like that you know, you, but you're literally getting in the water with all kinds of sharks. I do my best to avoid that sort of thing, but you're Most one of these people do. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what happened to you? <laughs> like, what, what, it's well, just amazing though, because what you're doing, you know, in, in, in looking at your, your Instagram pictures, cause you're, you're posting these amazing photographs, dude, like amazing. And, and, you know, you're painting, drawing, and Thank tattooing you. from them. I can see directly, um, you know, as you say, how those images relate to your art, end up in your artwork. But just looking at that from, a, from just a sheer, um, you know, adrenaline 
standpoint of just, I, I shudder when I look at some of these pictures, but I'm thinking you actually turn that on its head, don't you? That idea that these sharks are, are dangerous animals. You're in their environment, face to face with them. What's I I, I sound like I'm, this is a line off uh, of Monty Python, but what's it like? <laughs> well, they're you know it sounds cliche, but they're literally probably the most misunderstood creature on the planet. Right. Uh, funny saying goes: the ocean is filled with the tears of misunderstood sharks. <laughs> but they they get a bad rap, and I I didn't set out to become a shark advocate or a shark conservationist, but I, I feel like I've evolved into that role over the years. And I, I, they're really good to me uh, as far as my art and what they bring to the table for my family. And so I feel like it, I have a responsibility to bring attention to their plight. And as, as I said, I didn't set out to do that, but I just feel like it's the responsible thing to do, like to be a good steward of these animals who are so good to me. Um, I just have had a fascination with them since I was a toddler. I've always thought they're the coolest thing around. They've always been my favorite animal. Uh, I literally have uh, little miniature oil paintings that were given back to me from family members who have now passed. And when they passed, other family members gave me paintings that I did in the early 80s of uh, great white sharks that I, I gave to my uncle that I forementioned. And uh, so it just shows me how long I've truly been fascinated with these animals. This is nothing new and I'm not doing it because they're popular right now. It's just, it's always been what I've always been about. And uh, it, it, when I married the two together, I think that people, people recognize real when they see it. And I think they know my passion and People who are really around these animals and have an eye for detail, they may not know what it is that's clicking with them, but they know it's clicking with them. And I, I really try to pour in the things into my portrayal of these animals that uh, I feel like I pick up from close contact with them on a regular basis. Little nuances and subtleties that some people may miss entirely, and especially if your only interaction with them has ever been a photo or a video, you just don't catch those same things. It's, it's impossible. It, it, it just comes from spending time with your subject matter and studying them. And if you don't do that, no doubt there are good artists out there that could do an incredible shark rendering from the very first time they ever did one. I don't doubt that a bit, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. It's about pouring in your your intimate life experience with them. And I think it shows up and I, I consider myself a student. I'm totally learning and I will be learning until the day I die. And I think when you lose that, it just really, it's lost its appeal. And at that point you're just doing it to pay the bills. But uh, I'm just, I'm so turned on by this. I have such a passion for it. I feel guilty sometimes. Like if I didn't have bills, I'd do this for free. Like I love it that much. You know, Dino, I, I've got a, I've got a lot of young people listening to this podcast, and one thing I hope they get out of your story in particular is, you know, here's this guy that is just kicking goals left, right, and center with your art and your career. I hope you don't mind me saying that, but you've got this amazing tattoo studio, Sink or Swim Studios. You're taking these amazing photographs, you're creating great paintings, and then you're tattooing, and you're, you are living your dream, you're living your passion. Did you ever feel 
when you were in high school in particular, or maybe even early days, you know, late teens to early 20s, that you would be where you are today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And sometimes I don't see myself as successful as other people see me. Um, but then occasionally I'll take a step back and go, wow, I've really got a lot to be grateful for. And I am extremely grateful. And one thing I don't know if I've ever shared with, with you, uh, Andrew, is that uh, a couple years ago I got diagnosed with advanced stage four throat cancer. And I literally was told by the doctors that I had one foot in the grave and it was a good chance I wouldn't pull through it. Never smoked a cigarette in my life and uh, had a had a knot in my throat and I went to get it checked out and um, I, I run a lot. I'm an avid runner. I know you are. I keep up with you. And uh, my my running game had lost its it's punch, you know, like I wasn't getting the kind of times I normally would. And I just felt really drained. I'd put a couple pounds on. I thought, what is up with me? Is it just, you know, I'm starting to show my age a little bit or I didn't know what it was, but went to the doctor, found out I had the cancer issue and it was a big punch in the gut at first, but literally within an hour, I was like, okay, um, let's just tackle this thing. How do we, I went from concerned about myself to concerned about, taking care of my wife and she was my fiance at the time. And, uh, well, actually she wasn't even quite my fiance yet. Uh, and so my, all my thoughts went to making sure she was taken care of. And, um, then I immediately, like you said before about goals, I'm a very, very goal oriented person, but nothing like I've become since this happened. So when this, when I found out this news, I had a tiger shark expedition booked with a, a really good friend of mine who is uh, one of the producers on Shark Week, and he's one of their number one uh, cinematographers. His name's Joe Romero, and uh, I had this trip booked, and we had a lot of money invested in it from my wife and I. And I found out on November eighth of that year that I that I had cancer, and the first time. First thing I said to the doctor is, well, we got to knock this thing out because I've got a tiger shark expedition in February and I got to be on that boat. And he said, well, you can go ahead and cancel that. That's not going to happen. I was like, you don't understand. It's non-refundable. I'm going. And uh, he said, well, you'll be way too sick, way too weak. You'll be at the end of your treatment by that time and you'll still be on a feeding tube. And I said, well, um, can, can you dive with a feeding tube? And he said, absolutely not. And I said, well, doc, do you dive? He said, no. I said, do any of your patients dive with a feeding tube? He said, my patients are worried about surviving, not diving. And I said, well, so what I'm hearing is you don't really know. And I said, I'll be your guinea pig and I'll report back to you. So literally, that gave me something to work towards and to keep my eye on the prize and not fall into this mindset of pity me, poor pitiful me. Um, and I'd never succumb to the sickness. I literally went to work right up until um, it was just damn impossible to do. And, you know, I don't mind saying right here, I don't care who knows it, as long as I never forget it. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Uh, I do not touch anything. It's impossible to be any more sober than the way I live my life now. And uh, the only thing anybody could ever do is match it. You can't be more sober than me or my wife. And so... Luckily, through the grace of God, I was already sober, living sober, when I found out this news about cancer or, you know, an alcoholic would have used that as another excuse to drink. 
So I had clarity, clean mind, healthy body, except for the cancer. And so uh, uh, I, I just went into attack mode on getting this thing behind me and just did not succumb to it and never stopped tattooing. I went in uh, immediately after finding out and I had to have a, a port surgery where they put a port in your chest right here so you can get your chemo every week. And I had to go to radiation every day. And I'm just now starting to get a little bit of a beard back. All my beard came out because all the concentration for radiation was right here in my throat. And so I was going to radiation every day. And so the very first day I had two surgeries, one to put, they put a line down through my neck right here, through my jugular into my aorta uh, for the port. And then they stuck a hole through my stomach and I couldn't eat for three months. I had to, everything I ate was through a tube. And so uh, long story short, uh, I got done with my treatment in late January and by February 1st, I was on a plane and I was on that boat and I took pictures and sent it to my doctor with sharks all in the background and I was holding up an IV bag, feeding myself on the back of the boat and uh, I pulled it off. But I decided at that point, whatever days I have left, because Lord knows how many they may be. I'm clear of cancer now. I feel healthier than I've ever been in my life. I'm running better times than I've ever ran in my life. And I just put it in the rear view. And uh, I just refuse to pity myself about anything. I'm not, I, I have nothing to pity about. I'm blessed. And at, at that time that, that I found out, weirdly enough, it was during the time that I don't know if y'all heard of the news over there, but it was worldwide news, I'm sure, where that idiot went into the church in Texas and shot up all those people and, and little babies got shot. And it was literally within days of me finding out I had cancer. And the minute I found out, I thought, well, who am I to complain? These little babies didn't even get a week or, you know, or a month on this planet. And here I've had identical twin boys, a successful business. I've been around the world diving. If my number's up, I've had a great one already. So uh, I really have no room to complain or bitch about anything. And so moving through that, I can look back on it with hindsight now, and I literally mean this when I say it, that, and I look right in the, can in the camera and tell anybody out there, cancer is one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. I could never have seen past it when I first learned about it, but it has changed my gratitude and my attitude and laser beam focused me on my path, and I, I, I know how much every day and every hour and every minute matters now. And I try not to waste any of them, you know. Uh, I really I don't watch any TV except for YouTube. I watch tutorials and my one guilty pleasure. I know you always speak against it. I've heard you say it many times is turn off the news. But I do watch the news. I'm a current event junkie. But uh, that's it. You know, I, focus, I decided right then I'm going to dedicate my entire life to ocean and art and family. You know, the, the people I love in my family and, and that's it. I literally have no time for anything else. And I plan on living that way until my last breath. And so it's it's really brought out the best in me. Uh, I've wasted so many years with with drinking and partying in this industry. Uh, that was that's what I was alluding to earlier when there's a lot of pitfalls in the tattoo industry and, and people buy into the lifestyle. And I was ultimate guilty of that. Uh, to the point I almost lost everything. But I've, I've had the same studio in the same location for over 25 years. And I've got a wonderful group of guys I work with. Uh, 
several of which have been with me over two decades. And you just don't find that in this industry. And so I'm, I'm very blessed. And uh, you, you'll, you'll continue to see, the more you follow me throughout the years, that you're gonna, you'll, you'll remember this story and you'll see I'm doing exactly what I described to you today, is keeping my nose to the grindstone, not varying off my path. And life has all kinds of little shiny objects that try to get you to go this way and that way. And I have to just keep reminding myself, that's not the path I've set out for myself. Stay on the course. And uh, it's been so rewarding. And it, it just, you know, uh, spiritually, mentally, uh, you know, and once you do all those things and you're just true to yourself, you know, the financial part follows. It, 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 it one behooves the other. But, yeah, that's... Uh, that's definitely been my driving force and I, I don't talk about it a whole lot because I don't want any type of pity from it. I, there's nothing to pity me about. Uh, you know, I've heard people say, Oh man, it's terrible that, that you had to go through that. And I'm like, I don't look at it that way at all. I look at it as a blessing. If I get to be a ripe old age, this will just be one of many stories I'll have to tell. I'll probably go through 15 other things that I have to get through. That just means that I'm still living. It beats the hell out of the alternative. But now, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm healthier than I've ever been. I feel better than I ever have in my entire life. I'm 49 years old, and I could run circles around the 20-year-old version of me. Wow, man. That's inspiring, Dino. Like, it, it's, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that you know, a lot of us, when we're just starting out, we do everything we can to avoid failure or avoid challenges. I mean, that's probably one of the most profound challenges a person can go through, you know, just short of uh, maybe losing a loved one, a significant other. I mean, we're, we're throwing all sorts of curveballs in life and Tell know, me about he, it. <laughs> hearing, hearing that you've, you know, come through this thing and, and come full circle, that's inspiring, man. So I can just imagine now the fire that's within you that just makes you face the day with a different sort of focus than anybody else would really do that. Like you've, you've I have to pump the brakes sometimes. I think I yeah. make some of the people around me crazy uh, from it. You make I them do. crazy. Have, <laughs> yeah, because I have such a drive and such a vision. And, yeah. uh, I'd feel like time is of the essence with everything, you know, and yeah. I really feel like sincerely that, that cancer was a gift and it, it wow. just really made me get, I get so much more out of every day now and so much more out of life in general. And that's, I'm, I'm on such a mission to explore myself artistically more and more. I just, I just, I'm, I consider myself forever a student and back to what you said about fear of failure that crippled me for so long, you know, and now I look at it as that's how you get better. You know, you have to allow yourself room to fail or you're not going to gain insight. Yeah. And we do everything we can to avoid failure, don't we? And, and that's just that for, from my point of view, that's where the gold is. The, the more you screw up, the more you have a new realization. Oh, that's not how you do it. This is how I do it. And even failing like on big life stuff. I mean, for me, that's what uh, really um you know, set my life in motion and going, oh, okay, there, there's something else here to be learned. There's some, there's some other direction I need to move in. Um, you know, now I, I'm grateful to be where I am, but it's only through the knocks that I had. Like I, I thought, for instance, just, just throw this one out there. I, uh, I thought that I was really down and out and I had failed when I had to leave Australia and we had no mm -hmm. money at all. 
and we had to move in with my wife's parents. And that was maybe four and a half years ago now. And this is right around the time where my channel was just starting out. And, and I was, I had come from like the height of being this top selling artist, really successful, loads of commissions to nothing, nothing, nothing. And we literally, with our last money, we were able to fill a shipping container with our stuff and ship it from Australia to New Zealand. And now I was watching the news again, guilty, uh, yesterday and, uh, you can't leave Australia now. They've even closed the borders of the state I was living in. And we're like, just made wow. it into New Zealand, <laughs> you know, before that thing is just shut down, locked down. It is, and it's insane with what's going on with the current, uh, air quotes, pandemic. Uh, so yeah, it's, don't get it's, me started. <laughs> oh, man. Well, maybe, maybe uh, we could get started on that because I'm a little concerned you're watching the news. What news, Dino? Where, where are you getting your information from, bro? Oh, I get it from all over, except for I refuse to watch CNN anymore. And I'm <laughs> I'm homegrown CNN guy because they literally started here in my hometown. Oh, wow. And I've followed them since their conception. Right. And uh, I, I just can't stomach it anymore. I, I, I mean, I consider myself to be an independent. I'm no one party. Yep. But yep. I'm no fool either. Yeah, cool. And... Uh, you know, this, this whole thing, I don't doubt for a second you'd have to be a fool to not know that, that this virus exists. But, you know, in my country, we're, it's an election year. Let me just put it that way. I don't want to get off on that. Everybody's got their <laughs> viewpoint. I, I try to steer clear of it all and use my page. I started getting sucked into it for a minute. And I started chiming in on a few things. Yeah. And then I realized that's not my place. Yeah. That's not, like I said before, I have to swap myself back in my lane. Yeah. That's not what I'm all about. That's not what I want to be known for. Hmm. And we all have to navigate this thing together. Yeah. And I'm just going to jump around and keep trying to find out places where I can go and get wet because that too has been a challenge. And uh, just, just this last month alone you would not believe the hurdles we've had to go through and the changes in schedules well that's why i'm going back to the whale sharks tomorrow morning i was supposed to be leaving for hawaii tomorrow morning i already had plane tickets wow. and uh their governor decided to push out a mandatory 14-day quarantine for anybody visiting for yet another month we already had plane tickets so we're wow. like okay well where can we go? And mm -hmm. we had just went to the Bahamas earlier this month. They just opened up travel on July 1st, mm -hmm. and you had to have a COVID test with negative results. We did that, no problem. I thought it was you know, small price to ask of people, no problem. But now they've upped the ante on that in the Bahamas too. We were going back there again this week, along with going to Mexico for the whale sharks. And we like to go to the Bahamas because that's where all the tiger sharks are. Wow. And so their government just upped the ante, and now they're doing a two-week quarantine. So looks like Mexico is on the menu. Fantastic. So, well, no, man, I, I hope you have a great time down there. And uh, uh, it's what a trip. What a trip to be able to see those whale sharks. You know, Dino, when we're talking about, like, overcoming challenges and stuff, you know, I, 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 I used to be a bit more hardcore with this, but I, I am still interested. It still concerns me a great deal, but this idea of conserving our oceans and, you know, really 
celebrating nature in particular. So for me, I'm a nature guy. Everything I paint and draw, for the most part, unless it's a portrait, of course, it's always a, a homage to... still nature. It, it's still nature in a way, I guess, yeah. But it's, it's a homage to, to the creator. It's a homage to this amazing creation, this amazing place. And I always think, man, isn't this amazing? We need to take care of it. And you mentioned something before earlier on in our conversation about stewardship. And I can really see some element of that coming through in your work. Can you tell me more about that, the driving force behind it? Like what, what, what really gets you there? Because I can see it's something that you're incredibly passionate about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like people abuse the ocean. Like it's a limitless resource that uh, has no finite ending. And I, I just think that it's, it's due to ignorance and due to like you, you people just feel like you could just throw away a piece of trash in there because it sinks it just magically goes away and uh and especially the way people are harvesting in numbers that are unsustainable and unrealistic with species that don't reproduce in a time frame that can withstand that sort of pressure um and a lot of this i've learned just throughout the course of being fascinated, you know, throughout the years, I'm not formally trained in it. It's just uh, nothing more than uh, total interest level. That uh, the more I learn, the more I want to learn, the more I want to know. And I very much subscribe to the theory of to protect something, you've got to love it, and to love it, you tend to have to see it. And so, if you, if you don't see it, then you're you're rather unaware of its existence and so the the world doesn't need me to produce sea life art to make people aware of sea life art but if i can in some way contribute to the mass effort it's going to take a globe of artists to do it and if i can be one of those foot soldiers and change a couple people's opinion then the whole thing was worth it i got to paint something right so i would i would much rather paint things that truly have a meaning to me that I feel passionate about. And I can't think of anything else that I feel more passionate about. Uh, I, 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 like I said, I often feel guilty doing the work I do because I enjoy it so much that it, it, it's, it, it's a no-brainer. Like if it wasn't for like the way the world's set up and I had to have money to pay my bills, I would just do this anyway. So, uh, but I, I do feel like by showing people these images and portraying them in a beautiful way that it does make a difference. It definitely does make a collective difference. But as I said, I'm just one foot soldier and it's going to take a lot of people's efforts to change the hearts and minds of people. But I've already received feedback from, from people that I, I know of people I've made contact with that I made a difference in these people for sure. And I've introduced a lot of people to diving and opened up that door to them. And uh, even my, my wedding band, which is a, it's a white gold tiger shark tooth. That is so it's cool. It's from a tooth. It's from a tooth that uh, a friend of mine in the Bahamas who was raised differently. They looked at sharks differently. And it, it was not uncommon that they would catch them to kill them and to eradicate them. They didn't want them around. They thought they were a, a nuisance, a threat, a danger, and that's all they posed. And he came to me and told me that uh, through my art and through my photos, I had changed 
his heart and mind. And I was at his house in the Bahamas for Christmas several years ago, and he had two hands cupped together, and he came up to me and held them over mine, and he dumped them in my hand, and it was big, large, significant species, shark teeth. And he said, I don't want these anymore, and I want to give them to you. And that's when he told me the difference that, that my art had made with him. And so that moved me so much so that I took one of those teeth and had my jeweler cast it. And that, that's what that tooth, that's what my ring is made of. So it's like, a, it, it serves dual purpose. It's obviously my wedding band. So it has, you know, the most significant meaning that it could possibly hold for me. But it also always reminds me of the difference that I'm making in some people. And it may be small, it may be very small, or who knows? You never know how many people you're touching. You don't know how many people are looking at your page. You don't know. You can't judge everything based on likes and followers. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people that you touch that they may not even like you, and they may not like on anything you had, but you left an impression, and that seed's planted, and it might manifest into something later, something greater. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to be making art regardless. So. Mm. Rather than just making something mundane and meaningless, I feel like my art has purpose. And mm. it, it gives me more incentive, more drive. It has more depth to it. It has teeth, so to speak, no pun intended. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's real. Like I said earlier, people recognize real, and I think it comes through. You're either genuine or you're not. Mm. And this is just all I'm about. And so. I, I hope that it makes some sort of difference with people. I feel like it does. It's it's interesting because I feel that we we don't give it enough credit. What how impressionable we are. I I'm starting to realize that we really are. We soak images up like a sponge, and of course they're going to have an effect on some level. And I used to just discount that. It's like oh, it's just a landscape. It's just a portrait. It's just a this or a that. But you're getting through to somebody on some level. And when I look at your work, you know, whether it's, you know, your, your paintings or your photographs or even your tattoos, like I, I look at them and I'm like, wow, wow. And, you know, my father, um, who I'm a big fan of, uh, he's been on the podcast before, but he, he used to... Um... I've become a big fan of him as well. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll love that. Um, you know, he's, he used to say, you know, the, the, the concept and the statement behind my art is very, very simple. This is a magnificent creature. It's worthy of our respect, our admiration, and our protection. And I must say, like, I look at the sea turtle behind you, Dino, um, and, and I, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that to me, that's like this resounding Im message coming through. And I almost hear my father saying that this is an amazing sea turtle. It's worthy of our respect, our admiration and our protection. It's something that Absolutely. I think, yeah, it moves you, picks you up and just says, hey, th this is the calling. This is the charge. Go and talk about that. Go and be a champion for that. And I think more and more as you're authentic and you truly are authentic um you end up finding that audience don't you i mean yeah sure maybe people are following you on instagram and facebook they'll click like and they'll never really engage but you did make a difference on some level but i get messages from people even now you know saying 
hey, I can't think of anything to paint. I can't think about what to draw. I want to be an artist, but I got artist block. I'm like, really? Then you're just, you're not My awake. biggest hurdle is narrowing it down. <laughs> oh, man, tell me about it. Look, you know the thing that depresses me, right? I have so many ideas, I will never get through them. I will, I will die before Amen. my ideas come to fruition. And I'm like, I just need more time, please, just more time, you know? But uh, that's just the reality of it. I prefer to have that problem than go, hmm, what do I do today? Oh, don't know, maybe something will come to me. Oh, it's limitless for me, limitless. And I, and I see that in you as well. Uh, I was watching, I didn't catch your live uh, Instagram yesterday because I was, I was working myself in the studio. And, uh, but I did come home and watch it after the fact on IGTV. And watching how you had, uh, like I think you said, 50 different photographs that you were going through on your seascape that you were painting. And I was like, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because I, I, I will sometimes, it's like, okay, man, just get started, paint anything, because I'll have so many different things, and I'm like laboring over, which one do I want to pull from? And, I, and I'm like you, I'll, I'll pull aspects out of several different pictures to get just the right one. And, and you know, occasionally I'll find one that's, that's I pretty much nailed it and want to paint that exact thing. But I keep hearing your voice in my head uh, about... <laughs> slavishly reproducing a photograph and i'm like you know what i'm not ever doing that again i'm done with that and wow. uh, i think at one point the goal was to show that i had the skill sets to be able to reproduce that yeah. and that's that's not where it's at anymore for me mm-hmm. and uh, i think hearing you and, and and several other artists that that I've, I've paid attention to that are they pull away from that as well and i i don't have to remind myself i'm making a painting i'm not making a photograph if i wanted a photograph i've already got the photograph but you know what? I, I, I'm gonna, I am gonna take that back though, uh, Dino, and, I, and I'll tell you why. I think that when I had said that, and I meant it, I, I genuinely meant it, but I'm allowed to change my mind. So what, what I've come to realize now is that the more rules I make for myself and then put it out there and say, say oh, this is what I do, and the more people are like, well, that's a rule, okay, cool, I'll, I'll do the same. I find that sometimes it can hold people back and I never wanted to do that so if if anybody's listening to this and they're like well I like painting from photographs do it just go for it don't be sorry it has to be something that comes from within I think whenever you do reproduce a photograph and paint it or paint from it you end up making it unique anyway you know you end up giving it that handmade flair of just the sheer value of having it painted will leave an artifact of that process. And so now it's taken on a different form from that flat two-dimensional photograph anyway. But um, I, I think, I, I just wanna put that out there because I, I feel like uh, if I'm not careful and I start saying these things that sound like rules, maybe people would adhere to it too much and it might hold them back and stifle their creativity. And I, I, I never wanted to be about that. I wanted people to just go, I can do whatever I want. You know, and that's like I can paint puppy, puppy dogs all day. I can draw teddy bears all day because all I want to do is draw teddy bears. And I, you know, th- that's fine. Do you. And, you know, to, to a certain degree, I don't think it's all about what I'm about to say, but to a certain degree, your audience decides uh, what you're doing right mm-hmm. and, and, and what they like. Uh, other artists may not think you're doing it right and you may not be suiting their 
uh, formal training mindset. But if people are eating it up and they love it, then who's to say really? I mean, yeah. that's who decides your success level and that's who decides if they like what you're doing or not. Yeah. But you shouldn't totally be caught up on, am I getting accolades from my audience either? Uh, you know, you got to stay true to yourself. But for me, I find that being so technical about trying to reproduce a photograph, I, I looking back at my work, and I, I can be brutally honest with myself, and I don't mind it when other people are. Well, especially if it's somebody who I really look up to their skill sets, I'm going to listen. Uh, but I feel like when I when that's my goal, my painting lacks soul. It doesn't look like it has life to it, mm. even if I nail the photograph. But so for me, I have to purposely try to loosen up and to try to have a painterly style. And through my modern life of studying art, I'm learning that really that's a sign of inexperience is trying to get things too much of a stickler, too perfect and not allowing the painterly aspect to show through. And so I've been really focusing on, on people who loosen up from that. And one person who I've, I've formed a really wonderful friendship with, and, and I hope that this will, will stay in the podcast because I'd love to give her a shout out, is Joyful Enriquez. And she's a young lady who does marine life art like myself, and she came uh, during the whole shutdown. We had had it scheduled for many, many months because my calendar is booked out often like a year in advance. And so we scheduled this so long ago, long before anybody had ever heard of the virus. And when it came time for the time we had scheduled to paint together, we had to make a choice. Do we cancel this thing or do we just play it as safe as we can and, and we still get together in the studio? And we, we've said, you know what? We're consenting adults. We know the risk. I'm fine with it. Are you fine with it? And so we, we forged ahead and uh, we spent four days painting together. And I, I really feel like that was an enlightening uh, change of direction for me. And, and I can already see it in my work and we're already scheduled to do we at the time that we scheduled that we scheduled a follow-up workshop together that we'll be doing next month and uh, it, it just it allowed me the freedom to pull away from being such a stickler about uh, hyper photo realism mm. and I, I choose to take certain zones in my paintings or my tattoos and, and maybe show off a little section of the, the skill set and capabilities there, but then try to allow it to fall apart in certain other zones on purpose. And right. uh, that's, that's really the style that I see for myself in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to, to drive towards. And uh, so I really enjoy the way you paint. And I, I was really focusing on that last night, the way you were laying out that seascape that you, uh, you, you were talking about how you, you couldn't tattoo because you don't get to erase. But see, the same thing can be said to you about an oil painting. Now, I know you can paint over an oil painting, but once you get deep enough into that painting and you've got enough time invested in it, you and I both know you don't want to make some huge mistake that you've got to paint over. Mm -hmm. And you move more cautiously. And, and towards the end of that painting, if I had to guess, you're, you're really 
nervous about screwing up something that was already gone, going great. And so it's no different in a tattoo, really. And you have, you know, skill sets that allow you the wiggle room and you feel confident and, and you probably don't even think about it like that anymore. But uh, so it's the same way with tattooing yeah. through, through skill sets and certain exercises. You, you develop that uh, confidence. Do you know, though, if I if I had somebody sitting in that tattoo chair, uh, I know they'd just be laying there going, Andrew, I'm tired and I'm hungry and I want to go home. I'm like, it's not done. <laughs> Stay there. <laughs> you ain't moving. It's not done. But um, I, I it's interesting. Like, the the um, the painting process for me, it's it's changing, man. Like I find now that the further along in my career I go. I'm now starting to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And these last couple of seascapes that I've been doing, I'm just like, man, they, this, I, I started off with the best of intentions. And I, I'm brutally honest on my Instagram and Facebook, like when I make a post and I was saying, hey, look, I started this thing wanting it to be loose and impressionistic and expressionistic, you know, nice, big, chunky color. And look what I'm painting with. It's a double zero round it, it's it's like the smallest brush that i could get my hands on painting individual water droplets off the sea spray of a wave and yeah it looks awesome right. but i was just like what am i doing what the heck am i well, doing obviously here? it's what your eye craves to see you know and maybe uh it's working for you and you like when you look at your your pieces the kimberly and the milford mm -hmm. uh they they i mean they they look like photographs from a distance, but if you get up close on them, you can enjoy the fact that they're really so loose up close. Yeah. You know, like not like some people's loose, mm -hmm. but you can definitely enjoy the fact that they're paintings. You can see the brush strokes, you can see the build up, mm -hmm. but you back away a little bit and all that disappears. Uh, that's and, uh, that's the illusion. That's the magic of it. I love that about. Painting. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that, and. and some of my earlier stuff, I, I've strived too hard to make it not look like a painting. Mm -hmm. And I don't want any part of that anymore moving forward. I, I want to be able to enjoy the fact that it's a painting. Yeah. I want it to look effortless, no matter how painstakingly I may have labored over it. Hmm. That's, um, that's phenomenal, man. I, I, I want to ask you, so walk me through the process here. And, and I, I want to preface this, this question with, you know, I've got a limited, very limited knowledge of tattoo. Uh, but there was, there was a show on a while ago, I caught this maybe three or four years ago. Uh, and it was like a TV special. And it was like, I can't remember what they call it inked or tattoo wars or something. But it was hosted by one of the dudes from Red Hot Chili Peppers. And there was a whole bunch yeah, of people. That, that's Ink Master. Ink and Master. Tattoo Wars oh. was a show too. Tattoo Wars was a show that was out before Ink Masters. I was on that show. You were on the show. 2000. Yes. I oh, actually, wow, I actually won, won my episode. All right. They, it was like a, that, that show was set up on the premises where it was two tattooers would go head to head and then a large audience would vote on the, the best outcome. And well, tell me about that. I, uh, it was on the learning channel and it was, it was a really cool concept, but it, it quickly got beat out by, uh, I think a, a more audience friendly concept of that would bring the drama into it and more, uh, ratings based for TV, not taken away from the people. I'm not saying anything negative about anybody. Uh, for me, I prefer the stuff that's more 
meat and potatoes about the art and I don't need all the drama to keep me tuned in. In fact, that's what tunes me out. Yeah, man. And, uh, but, but to the, the mass viewing audience, it may be totally different. You know, back to Shark Week, I, I got to where, you know, I can't stand certain aspects of it. You know, that when they feel the need to bring in big Hollywood personalities to pump up the ratings and make these silly shows that are fun for kids, they lose me. Because I want the science nerd stuff, you know, and I want the art nerd stuff when it comes to art shows and tattoo shows. And so maybe what I want is not what the general audience and gets mass numbers. I don't know. Maybe the two don't coincide. But yeah, man. No. Uh, it, it was a it was a cool experience what I went through. Um, they came to my shop, my studio and filmed me for like a week working there, filmed me, followed me around town, filmed my children my home life and then we went to calgary canada where I, I went head to head and competed where it was kind of awkward for me because i went and competed with one of my biggest mentors and somebody i really looked up to uh who i view as a much better tattooer than myself especially at that time and uh i wound up winning the episode against him and it was, I mean, it, it was very, very uh, cordial between the two of us because we have a lot of love and respect for each other. But still to this day, it was, I, it was awkward as hell for me. And, wow. and I felt like, honestly, no way, he's better, whatever. I mean, I, it, was, it was good for me at the time, good for my career, but I, I never really necessarily agreed with the decision. But, hey, I'll take a win. But, uh, you know, it, it, I felt like I was definitely outgunned so to speak so i thought it was a fluke thing that i won but it, it was great it was cool but wow. it also uh at the time that came around uh it led to a lot of notoriety and my and i had three studios at the time and i had them for 15 years of 25 people working mm -hmm. and things were really really successful and I went through a divorce with my children's mother and I had this TV show out. And so all this attention and kind of limelight stuff. And I think it all looking back on it with hindsight and a little more maturity now went to my head a little bit. And that's when I developed a little bit of a love for drinking and going out and got a little too, I, I succumbed to the, the glamorous side of the tattoo industry sure. and uh, lost my lost my vision for a minute if you will and it was it was not a good thing for me in the end right, right. and so then another opportunity came around that i could have been on ink master and, and that show has been wonderful for a lot of friends of mine i've had tons of friends that were on there and a mixed bag of reviews as to how they walked away feeling about it mm -hmm. and uh i had an opportunity but I, I i literally had contracts ready and was going on to to do the show and i, I decided i don't think i want to because I didn't want to leave. I felt like the career I had, I had built organically and scratched and clawed and it was real. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't want to, and I was already successful in my eyes. Of course, you could always be more successful. You can always be less successful, but I didn't want to gamble what I already had, had built up with my, I'd say my own two hands, but that, that's disrespectful to the team I have. And, and so it wasn't my own two, two hands. Yeah. What m me and my team had built together, I didn't want to jeopardize over um, 
someone in an editing room that could tell whatever story they wanted to by splicing together footage. And maybe it would make me look like a million bucks. Maybe it would make me look like a jackass. I don't know. But I'd much rather take the humble career I had built and know where I stand and not leave it at risk. And uh, I just gracefully declined. It's, it's really interesting to hear you say that because 99.9% of people, I bet, if, if given that opportunity, would have taken it. And I, I really respect that. I really admire that. I think it's, it's so vital, isn't it, defining what success, what your ideal life, what success looks like. And if you're already there, you're already living it, it's like, yeah, why, why jeopardize that? Why risk it? As you say, you know, because these things are edited, right? I mean, they could have they could have spun that any way. And not uh, even said it in the contract. You know, it said that they could tell whatever story they you. wanted. They could, <laughs> yeah, they, they they could tell you how to dress, how to style your hair. They could, you know, make you the character they wanted you to be. And I was like, eh, that's not me. Wow, man. Yeah, and, yeah, right on, right on. No, I think that was the wisest decision. And I think, I think again, if you're Again, credit where credit's due. The man upstairs is in the driver's seat. I want to get that out of the way. But for me, I had had to decide, you know, what did success look like for me? Because for me, like, and again, I would have taken a contract like that. And and I've had, you know, came close once on on something there that, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. But I I now, I'm looking at it, and, and the older I get, the more successful I feel, but those dreams and aspirations are now becoming, you know, and I've said this before in a, in a podcast, chop wood and carry water. Some people are like, well, what mm-hmm. the heck does that mean? But to me, that's a metaphor for a simple life. Like I literally cut firewood. Right. I, I literally, yeah. I don't carry water, work hard. but, but I, I, I work hard, but I, I have a little house in the middle of the country and a small, tiny little rural town in New Zealand. You know, it's not an expensive place to live. I live within my means. It's a simple life. I don't long for any material anything now, just as long as I can continue to work and produce my best work. And I think a lot of people from the outside look. And that makes in. you rich. Dude. You're a wealthy man. So rich. Like, give me a million dollars. I wouldn't know what to do with it. I would probably go and build a school in Cambodia. I, 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 I wouldn't know what to do with it, dude. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I could think of a few good things. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, back to what you said about you would have taken the contract. I've second-guessed myself many of times. But uh, like you said, the man upstairs is in the driver's seat, and he knows more than I know. And looking back on it with hindsight, I wasn't mature enough to deal with it at that time. Uh, mm. I would have, who knows, you know, like I was drinking at the time and, and I know that those producers provide plenty of alcohol. They want, they want to stir the shit, so to speak, you know, and, oh, yeah. uh, I probably would have fell right into it. I was, I was a very, very, very functioning alcoholic and to my downfall. So who knows, maybe I would have excelled wonderfully or maybe I would have made a total ass of myself. Uh, we'll never know. I don't think that the actual time during the show would have been my downfall. I think all the the aftermath could have possibly been my downfall because I wasn't ready to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, it'd be totally different. Now, my maturity level's there. 
I'm 100% sober. And it, you would get me and the real me, and that's it. And I know I would handle it properly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there, there, who knows? There's, there may be things out there still in my future. Uh, I may still just be tipping the iceberg on this whole career of mine. But like, case in point, Instagram. You know, I feel like for somebody that's been doing my career as long as I have, and I used to have a, a lot of notoriety in my career and in my industry when it was like all tattoo magazines was the only way that people knew knew anybody back then, and so. My career was on fire, man. I had show promoters all over the world calling me, wanting me to come do shows, and they were, you know, comping me flights, comping me hotels, comping me this and that, and it, it was it was wonderful. But then when the social media thing came out, I felt like I was already established, and I was ignorant to the value of it, and I thumbed my nose at it for so long. And then when I finally started getting on board with it and recognizing, oh, okay, I see the worth in this thing now. Uh, it was at the height of me, you know, drinking and partying when I finally even gave Instagram attention. And so I probably shot myself in the foot in the beginning before all of the algorithms changed and you could get these massive number of accounts. And, uh, so I never achieved the kind of numbers that my peers that have been coming up in the industry shoulder to shoulder with me have achieved. And, uh, but in those days, I was kind of posting stuff, making fun of the whole thing, and doing drunken debauchery posts that were probably just really harming me, and I just laughed at it, thought it was all a joke, you know? And looking back on it now, I did considerable harm to myself. But back to saying what we were saying earlier, I still consider myself a very wealthy, rich man, and I'm not talking monetarily. I have the most awesome friends. I get to experience the most awesome things underwater and around the world. And I get to do the work I want to do every day in a studio that I love to be in. I couldn't imagine being much happier. And, uh, I, I have a very modest number of followers on Instagram, but you know what? I'm one man and I don't see how I could do any more work than I'm currently doing. Um, so I don't want to book myself out any further than I'm booked. I'm very comfortable at the rate I'm working. And uh, so, I mean, how many, how many followers do you need if your appointment book's full? And I, I, I recognize how blessed I am because I, I think to myself all the time, most of my clients fly from out of state and from out of country and get multiple days at a time. I never work on one person a day is all I do. And usually it's for multiple days in a row. And even that's just chipping away at a big project. It's not even completing the project. So I think to myself, man, how many tattoo shops did they fly over to get to me? They could have gone to any one of those. And so I, I recognize how blessed I am, you know. And, uh, you know, back to the whole cancer thing we talked about earlier. One thing that did for me was it put my gratitude into perspective. Like, it, my gratitude is off the charts now. I'm so grateful. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to sit in traffic. I get to sit in traffic. I don't have to pay taxes. I get to pay taxes. I'm blessed to pay taxes. So it changed my whole perspective. And that's how I look at my career. And I, I, don't, let, I don't get all butt hurt that I don't have the kind of numbers of people who are my age and in my industry that had the type of following the same following I had when, when it was all about tattoo magazines, because I know that 
I'm getting to do what I want to every single day. So how, how do you stack on that? Everything, I think anything above that is all about ego. It's just ego driven and it's just something to, to, to pat yourself on the back. I, the Lord's given me plenty and sometimes it's just enough and that's all I need. Those, those ego projects, that call of, of that little voice inside saying, hey, you could, you could really go for that. You need a new car. You need a new this. You need to go for that. More money, more fame, whatever. That, that's, it's a trap. It's a trap. And that's, that's one that's thing. That's what I, I meant by the shiny objects earlier. Oh, man. It is. And it is and, and those, but it's those shiny objects that get you. The only reason advertising works is it's all about the shiny objects. The only reason television and movies work and our culture works the way it does is because people keep falling for that same trick again and again, only to arrive and for it to be empty, disappear like dust in their hands. The amount of millionaires and billionaires I've had the pleasure <laughs> of being around on artists and residencies, on, on these glamorous ships and these, these huge appointments that I got as an artist painting for these, these elites. And there was only a small portion of them that were truly fulfilled and happy. The vast majority of them, it was like, I just bought this yacht and they're miserable. They're still miserable. And I don't want to judge them, but right. I, I, you know, but I, at the same time, it's like, I could see then there was a game that was being played. If you go for the shiny thing, the fancies and lollies, if you go for those things, then you end up miserable, absolutely miserable. And it's at the end of the day, it's about, I, I think really what it comes down to at the end of the day, Dino, is, is, is you know, the, the quality of your life is, is in the quality of the relationships that you keep. It's the stuff that you can pay for, you know. And so that's, Absolutely. Uh, so it's, I, I, I wanted to ask you and, and we, we still got time. <laughs> that was, that was a really nice little tangent, but uh, I, I wanted to ask you actually about the, um, the process of tattooing because in hearing about and even when you said, Oh, I was going to be on this, this or you were on the show. I'm like, Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, but when I was watching this show, right. Uh, this ink master, um, I got a little bit of an appreciation for it, but <laughs> I got to tell you one bit, one bit about the show that I still remember. It's been a few years now is they got these volunteers to come in to be tattooed by some people. Some people listen, let's be honest. Some people should not have been on that show tattooed on people and Agreed. i was thinking these volunteers Agreed. showing up it's like those poor people like how are you going to fix that so i became obsessed with the process and not that i'd ever do it or I, i'm still apprehensive about having it done to me but like i i just like how does that even work your confidence has got to be off the charts your preparation has got to be there so could you talk me through well, you Let's, hit the nail on the head preparation preparation okay preparation right is the key and you know preparation and skill sets and okay. uh, nothing substitutes experience. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you could be very experienced and yet have never had your eye on advancing your learning skills. And you could, you could have 20 years experience and still be doing things the exact same way you were doing the first year. So if you refuse to evolve and you refuse to learn new things, then you're gonna be stuck in a rut, you know? So, but back to, back to what you were saying. Uh, what is it about the process that 
fascinates you? Well, it, listen, everything, but maybe walk me through, okay? I'm, I'm a complete newbie. Walk me through. Let's say I'm coming into your studio. I want like this badass hammerhead shark on my on my arm. Give me a sleeve or something like that. How would you go about doing this? Just just talk me through your process. Well, for me, like my process is probably different than a lot of people because I have a pretty unique uh, niche, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the, my selling factors is like to me, I feel like in this day and age, whether it's this way or not, it's almost a given that you should expect your tattoo artist is going to do a badass tattoo. Because there's a lot of talented, badass tattooers out there now. Mm-hmm. So, how do you set yourself apart in a sea of talent? And really, a lot of it comes down to um, design, design elements, and um, originality. And then, hell, it's gotten so competitive, I, I joke all the time that I have to go out and risk life and limb and being eaten just to come up with new compelling stuff to set myself apart from all my competitors but uh so for me when, when i bring people in i, I sell it I, I tell my my staff my colleagues all the time we don't we don't sell tattoos here we sell an experience and the tattoo is a keepsake from an incredible experience you had and you should have enjoyed your time here and when it's over with you should be bummed out because you want to keep coming back because you enjoy coming here so much and wow. so when, whenever I bring them in, with, with me, you get a full day experience, and it's usually multiple days. I, I literally cook for my clients every day. I, I'm a pescatarian, so all I eat is fish, and so it's, it's hard to maintain that healthy diet. And so years back, I, I learned a little trick that if I brought enough for the client too, then they didn't gripe about me taking time to grill in the middle of my work day. And so then I started noticing that they were taking all these pictures of us grilling together and posting it all over their social media. So a little light bulb went off and I thought, you know what, I'm onto something here and I never meant to be. And it's just become kind of a tradition with my clients that, that I do that with them. But to get back to your question, uh, they come in and my day goes like this. It's, it's usually the meet and greet. I meet them, greet them. We start talking, introduce ourselves and we move into a, a consultation phase where we start talking about their ideas. And I, and I urge them in the beginning, let me, uh, let me uh, encourage you to wrap your mind around less is more. Because for some reason, ocean lovers come in with the longest laundry list of sea life and items that they'd like to see. They want the entire ocean on one limb. And I'm like, you know what? We're gonna pick three. three of your favorites and we're going to do them sizable because size does matter and uh we're going to do them justice and do you know do them epic scale and so we 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 go through this consultation phase and, and i'll usually begin by asking what do you envision as the finish line and i'm leading them somewhere when i ask them this uh and so what how much of your body do you see being tattooed and so once we come to that conclusion or perimeters, then we can start talking about how to creatively fill that space. Because I always feel like when I'm trying to tell them, oh no, the sea turtle you want is gonna be done three times larger. I, I feel like that it sounds like I'm coming across like an upsell, when in reality, well wait a minute, we've already determined the square inches that you want covered, so we're only talking about how we creatively cover that space. So 
we, we come to terms with, with size and fit and placement and the, the subject matter that they're after. And so then this is where I do something kind of unique that a lot of tattooers uh, don't do. I'm not saying I'm the only one. And more and more there are uh, sites that are available to tattooers where you can go for reference that are badass photography taken by tattooers for tattooers for the purpose of tattooing. And it is epic photography. In fact, I'm supposed to be getting on board with one of these sites that they want to have a marine life section and want me to do that section for them. But So I have an incredible library to go through, and I'm extremely organized on all my hard drives. And so if we start talking about a subject, I have a memory from an expedition, and I can often, I'll tell them, watch this, it's going to be, uh, a trip from 2018 is going to be day four, and uh, I'll be able to tell them like right down to almost the the frame, and I can take them right to it, and I go right in the folder, right in the file, and they're like, "Holy shit! How do you remember all that?" I was like, "I lived it. I was there." You know, so for me, it's just recalling a memory, and so we go through all this material, and we'll often spend hours, you know, and I tell them, "Look, don't be in a big rush," you know, like. Uh, I look. I use the analogy of home building all the time when I'm designing tattoos, and you don't take a piece of prime real estate, beachfront property, and that's what I consider your body to be. That's what I, you're that important to yourself. You don't you don't just walk up on property like that with a pile of wood and start slapping together two by fours and hope that the outcome's awesome. You have to have a blueprint. You know, you have to have a, a design, and you know the 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 architect is very important and the architect wants to get paid as well you know and so earlier on in our industry i think that people thought we just sit around and have all this free time hey in your free time draw me up something well i don't have free time there is none it does not exist in my life and so the architect has to get paid and so i i used to do prep work ahead of time for my clients but i'm so heavily booked that there is no ahead of time in my life anymore. And I like to sit down and involve them in the process. And so they get to see then how much work goes into it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we go through the selection phase. We'll normally narrow down, like you used the subject of a hammerhead. So I would talk to you about fit and, the, and how the different elements of, of making that uh, complement your body part. And so... Uh, then we would narrow it down usually to two or three designs that you're interested in. And we'll start sizing those up and actually print them out and hold them on your body and let you see how they fit and flow with you. And we will often make alterations so that they do fit the body. Uh, a lot of the time you can't just do a, a, an actual photograph. Sometimes you can. Uh, and so then we move into the phase of actually getting it onto the skin. And there's several different ways to go about that now in my industry and, and it has greatly evolved in the last couple of years especially and uh so i've totally changed my whole format for applying it to the skin transferring an image to the skin because uh there again like when you walk up to a canvas and you just start blasting it out with a paintbrush and just you know blocking in uh, it, it's a, a lot more forgiving thing, and at the same time, you don't have somebody who has paid for flights and a rental car and a hotel. So there's a human aspect involved in my art form, 
And then there's the pain factor and how well do they sit for that many hours? Cause we're there minimum. I do 10 hour days every single day. And so, wow. um, yeah, it, it's, 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 uh, it's a art form in and of itself just to be able to get the, I'm a coach. I got to coach them through it. I got to have bedside manner. You know, I, I have topicals that I use like pain relieving foam soaps from a, a company that I'm exclusive with called H2 ocean. Um, there again, the whole love of the sea and all their products are made with uh, sea minerals. And but so I, I can apply pain relief through that. And uh, so there's there's all these different things to to juggle while, you know, that you have to contend with that you don't have to contend with with a canvas. You don't have to contend with you never put a paintbrush on a canvas and it cringes and tenses up. And that energy, you can overlook it for a while and you can be very disciplined and you can be a professional and be like, I'm just going to tune this out. And you can do that for hours, but after a while it starts playing on you and that energy transfers over to you. And so if you have a client that is showing that outwardly, you, you start taking on that energy. It's just, it's inevitable. Yeah. And so you have to be able to overcome that. You have to be able to move past it. And, um, so we get large scale pieces laid out. It depends on how many days they're there. And usually and, and I, I paint, or I tattoo very much the way that you would describe yourself to paint now. And I use painting tutorials in my office every single day that I'm watching. And I talk about it in painter terms. And I, and I tell them, look, in, in oil paintings, you have the, the first stage or you, you have the, the block in. You have the second stage, the second sitting, first sitting. And so in oil painting, you let it dry so that you don't, mobilize or mess up something that you've already accomplished and you want to come back over well with tattooing you run the risk of overworking skin nothing's going to mobilize because it's you know it's injected in the skin but you can overwork skin much like you could put too much paint on on let's say you're painting a car and you get runs because you put too much paint at one time well when you put too much tattoo at one time you get overworked skin and i use I'm sure you you obviously know about DPI dots per inch. I use the analogy with my tattoo clients, PPI pokes per inch. And so every little dot for saturation in tattooing is created the same way a fine print is made. It's based on how many dots are in a square inch. And so with tattooing, you run the risk of how much can the tissue take. And it varies from different skin type to different skin type. You have to learn different skin types. And so, uh, I do like I don't try to go for a one shot one kill method anymore because I'm doing too large scale of stuff anyway and I like for all my stuff to age together and time together so I see no benefit in taking one subject matter on a full sleeve or a full back taking one piece and taking it to a hundred percent completion and then it starts the aging process and we've got zones we've not even started yet mm-hmm. so I have to explain all this to each client when we're starting big projects and uh, photo reference helps immensely where I can show them other projects and walk them through it and show them the stages and that builds confidence. And I'm, I'm at a point in my career now where I'm, I'm, I'm pretty blessed that most of the people that come to me come to me specifically for a reason. They sought me out. They know what I'm all about. They've seen all my work and they followed it for long periods of time usually. And so I don't have to do a lot of convincing anymore. And, um, so we'll let pieces 
I got get things to probably 80% completion and get the whole entire project to 80% completion. And then I come back through and finalize everything mm-hmm. because I don't consider a, a project completed until I have an artistic photo reference or photo documentation of that project. And I take the final photo process just as serious as I did. It's like bringing it full circle. I went out and got the photos that we used to begin with. And so, well, and let me back up a minute to the, the process of the selection. So after I do the meet and greet with people, when we move into the selection phase, that's where a lot of artists resort to Google. And I always laugh and say, I'm my own Google. You know, I have a Google's worth of hard drives full of reference that is private stock. And sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll want some subject that I'm like, well, you know, we can do that, but we're going to have to resort to Google for that. You, now you've stepped off into an area that I, I have no experience in. And so I'll do that, and I'm more than happy, but it would be a shame that you flew across the continent and came to someone who specializes in providing you private stock photography and to not tap into that as part of the package that you're paying for. And I'd say nine times out of ten, but it's probably damn near ten times out of ten, that people are like, you're absolutely right. And so we wind up going with my, my work, my references. It's, it's amazing how similar that is to my process because when I'm talking to my clients – and I'm trying to get them over the line on a particular painting and they're coming at me with a commission idea and they're saying, okay, I want this and I want the red barn here to the left and I want there to be three sheep, count them, one, two, three sheep, okay? And I want the mountain right here and I want the snow to be just, and, I want it, and I'm like, whoa, 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 stop, stop. You came to me, you want an authentic artistic expression that is in keeping with who I am. So how about we do it this way? You give me the subject, either, you know, seascape, Kimberley, uh, New Zealand mountains, uh, Australian desert, whatever, portrait, figure. I, I, don't, I don't mind what it is. You've seen what I do. Give me the subject. That's as far as we're going to nail it down. And I'm going to produce three sketches for you and some color studies, and then we'll start to narrow in on the idea. What ends up happening is they end up with an authentic artistic expression that is something that is uniquely mine. But then I'm also in my integrity. I'm producing something that is authentic for me. So then I have the staying power to be able to put those hours in at the easel. And it's, it, this is kind of the, the lesson that I learned early on because my, my dad was saying you know, to me when, when I was being trained and being a professional artist, he's like, so let's say somebody came to you and they wanted a life-size portrait of Bart Simpson. You know, what would you do? I'd be like, well, I'd send them to somebody else who painted Bart Simpson. That's not what I'm about. Here's my portfolio. Do you like it? Cool. Well, you came to me. So what can I do for you that's in keeping with what I do? Exactly. You're at that point in your career now. Yeah. Well, okay. And truth be told, early on, straight out of college, I would have painted Bart Simpson. (laughs) I totally I would have painted him any way you wanted, man. I would have taken that money and taken it all the way to the bank. So uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But we move past that. You're in a different phase. You're in a different chapter in your journey. And, and that's what I tell my clients is that at this point, I, look, I consider I'm in the second half of my career. Uh, when I took some time off and got myself sober, that was halftime. And when I came out from halftime, I was behind in the game. And so this second half, I'm putting points on the scoreboard. That's the way I look at it. 
-hmm. And the second half of my career that I'm just getting into uh, is all about building what I want to be known for. I'm building a portfolio that portrays me and expresses me. That's, that's the path I'm on. And I'm steering the ship. Make no mistake. You're welcome to come on the ride. But I'm, I'm the captain. And if you see something you like, I'd love to do it for you. But I'm not varying from my pathway. And so those are the people who are my clients, are the people that subscribe to that. And that's exactly what they want. And if not, I'm very uh, polite about it. I, I'm never cocky or ugly to people. I just very kindly uh, pass on it. You know, I, I pass on a lot of projects. Yeah. Um, some things just are not for me. And when somebody comes, I like to hear people's input. I want to hear what they love. I want it to strike a chord in them. But when they come, like you were saying, they want the red barn on the left and they want three sheep. Okay, at that point, I'm a toolbox. At that point, I'm just here to uh, just do your paint by numbers for you. And I don't, it just doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. You know, when I see artists, tattoo artists specifically, who have such a unique body of work, and I mean a body of work, I don't mean a couple of successful pieces. I mean, you can look at their body of work and you know, that's so and so, for sure, I know his work. Okay, he didn't get lucky that that many people came in wanting stuff that looked like that. He took the ship by the wheel and he started driving his career where he wanted it to go. He took control of it and no more am I allowing this to take me where it wants to go. I have a vision and that's where we're going, come hell or high water. And, you know, literally sink or swim. <laughs> and so that's just how it's going to be. And through that process, you end up uh, attracting the clients that you want to work with anyway. It's kind of like this, this way of it, it weeds itself. And I, and I hate to talk about clients and, and customers like weeds, but, but essentially what, what you're doing is you're trying to attract to you and your life and your career a certain quality of clients who are there for you. And that then it has sustainability. Uh, there'd be nothing worse than being trapped by something that you thought was your dream. You're like, oh, here we go. We're going back to work. I got to tattoo another, another mermaid. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. You, you, then it's up to you to change it. There, there's a tattooer out there who I have a lot of admiration for the way they conduct their career, and uh, uh, they've they've been quite successful on YouTube as well. And uh, they use the analogy of you have to take your clients and you put them through a funnel every so often. Mm -hmm. And the ones that come out the other side of the funnel, that's your client base. And you're going to lose some when you do that. And that's kind of the intention. Yes. You, have to, you have to trim back the hedges occasionally for new growth. Mm -hmm. And um, so I can't please everyone. And I'm one man. And so I don't want to put myself that deeply vested in that many hours into something that I don't feel like is going to represent where I'm taking my career. Absolutely. And so that, that's only the jobs I want to take on anymore. And really it's been that way for quite some time, uh, you know, several years, especially, you know, I hate to keep bringing it up, but I mean, at the same time, I don't really care. Uh, since my sobriety became such a prevalent force in my life and, uh, Man, I used to think it would be so horrible, but I've never 
enjoyed life so to the level I'm living it now. I mean, it's the best it's ever been. My only regret is not doing this sooner. Wow. And uh, so that has really brought focus. And, and it's amazing how that attracts clientele. Again, like I said, uh, I think they recognize real. And I think my level of service and my level of attention to detail shows. And uh, I, I, I have a... I can't say enough about my clientele base. They're, they're wonderful, wonderful people that allow me to do what I do. And uh, we, we obviously share a love of the ocean. So that that is a, a bonus for me every single day is that it, it keeps me doing the, the imagery that I enjoy looking at. And I think I left you a comment the other day on one of your pieces that I, I, I feel like my favorite scapes you do are the seascapes for obvious I'm obvious on bias reasons. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Every, everything you do, you do wonderfully. But oh, man, thanks, you man. just got a little something, little extra something in those seascapes. I love that. <laughs> I took a long time doing those those two little paintings. They're over there on the studio wall now, drawing about to get sent off to Australia. So, um, oh man, no, I appreciate Don't that. record saying I will own one one day. All right, I will man. have a, a Tischler original seascape. I, I cannot promise I'll have a Dino tattoo. I, I, I'm still squeamish. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but that'd be cool. But hey, I, we might do a trade or something because you do some great paintings too. That's awesome. So it, you, you're, so the sobriety has been something that has been key for you. And obviously, you know, your physical health is like such a huge component of who you are and your life. And I've talked about it in the podcast and I think in a couple of videos here and there. But for me, you know, when I when I started my career, I had the benefit of being around a lot of people who were doing it and and also examples from the past of people who were artists. And, and I was starting to work out early on that there was a way to do it and there was a way that not to do it. And the most successful people that I could identify, even if it wasn't an art, they treated their body, their life, their relationships, their fine, everything worked in mm -hmm. congruency t towards a common goal. And so it's like they, they didn't have this dream of being this sort of person, but then they had one bad habit that was dragging them down constantly. I'd get there if only if it wasn't for this thing. You know, classic uh, case of, of somebody, a character like Thomas Kincaid, for instance, who was, you know, a, you know, for, for critics out there, maybe not the best painter in the world, but one of the most collected artists of all time, but Extremely lost his way. Successful. Yeah, lost his way yeah. due to alcoholism, for instance. You know, it's just that one little thing and it's just drag you down. So when it I see- It destroys people. Yeah, well, when I see dudes like yourself, I mean, now you're, you're a pescatarian, you watch your diet carefully. Every time I'm looking at your Instagram stories, I, I'm like, I'm marveling at that like watch that you got. Just going, man, how fast did he run it today? Like you're you're out there beating that pavement, man, and and it's inspiring stuff. So, how do you feel that keeping on top of your physical fitness actually benefits your art? Because there's a lot of people who might not have made that connection yet. And go. Well, I don't want to spend time oh, in the gym. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Why? Why should I do that? How's that going to affect my creativity? They're so directly connected, as I, I know you know, because I'm, you know, I, I have no problem saying I'm, I'm quite a fanboy of yours, and I, I follow the things you say and I listen carefully, and so I followed you from when you were quite beefed up 
and I watched you trim down and I listened and it was about, it was running and your diet change. And I was like, holy cow, this is why I connect with this guy. I mean, we're like totally alike. And so there's a direct connection between your art and your career and your, your, your physical health. I think your physical health is linked to your mental health. And if you're not physically fit, you're not mentally fit. Things will start to weigh on you in so many different arenas in so many different ways. One thing you may not know about me is that earlier in my career, I was 250 pounds. And yeah, so right. now, I, yeah, now I linger between 150 and 160. Uh, but at that time, I derived all my work, my self-worth, who I was through... Uh, I, I, I have no problem saying it. I, I loved, I fed off of the ooh and ah factor. When I could make people ooh and ah, I felt like I was doing something. And so I, I, I gathered all my self-worth through my art and I didn't care about anything else. And so I liked balance. And if there's one word I think is the most important word in the English language, it's balance. Hmm. And you know, I struggle to maintain balance because I'm OCD and I get I'm all in on whatever I do, no matter what I do, obsessively. And so when you do that, other subjects, whatever subject you're focused on, you're going to excel at. But the other things you're not paying attention to, they're going to dwindle to the wayside and they get neglected. And so my health was, was that at the time. And for me, and tattooers, we sit for a living. You know, painting is much the same. You know, you're not moving around a whole lot. Let's face it. Mm -hmm. And That's right. although you may be standing, you're you're not getting your heart rate up. No. And so I have to purposely seek out whatever exercise I get. And you know, like I said before, I've been in the same studio for 25 years at the same address. And so my office has been the same office, the same four walls. So if I don't get out and experience some fresh air and some nature or at the very least, go to the gym and, and get on a treadmill, uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm dying quickly. I have, to, I have to exert myself physically. And I feel like by doing so, I can pull longer days. Uh, and you know, I, I, I just shared the emphasis on the importance of balance, but another very, very important word, and it falls back to the ocean that we were talking about earlier, is sustainability and so for me to have sustainability in this career a lot of tattooers half my age are already talking about back problems because you know they're not sitting ergonomically correct and they're not upright or they've let their physical health go and they've developed a gut that's pulling them over and pulling their lower back and so all these things play in they play they play a factor for sustainability and I think physical health is as important as my sobriety. Well, okay, not quite as important. Number one thing of importance in my life is my sobriety. Mm -hmm. uh, without that, everything else falls apart. Mm -hmm. But a damn near, you know, neck and neck second place is, is physical health. Wow. And so uh, I'm blessed that I have a wife who couldn't be any more physically fit. She probably fluctuates between seven and 10% body fat. And she's, she's unreal. She, we sh shout out to Shark Girl Fitness. Unreal. Yes, I'm following her as well. Like the, the muscles on her. Gee whiz, hombre. I absolutely <laughs> married up. <laughs> and uh, so 
She uh, she definitely has been a blessing, and yeah. it, it, we're so well suited for each other because we love to eat the same foods, mm-hmm. and we 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 pursue health and fitness like it's our hobby. It's like it's something awesome. we do, you know. Connect like on that. we enjoy seeking out new healthy dishes. We enjoy reproducing healthy dishes that we find when we, we consider ourselves foodies. We love to go out to places with unique dishes and come home and and recreate them. Uh, oh, wow. So, for us, it's a it's a lifestyle, and we don't do anything in our diet and our fitness that we that we don't feel like we could do for the rest of our life. Uh, in 2007 is when I lost all my weight, and I just decided I'd quit soda. I haven't had a soda since February of 2007. I haven't eaten red meat. I quit red meat, and for years I, I still ate chicken and you know turkey, uh, white pork, and things like that. I've cut all that out. I have I've been a pesca, full pescatarian for probably three, four years, and uh, um, cut out all dairy, yeah. and it's just little incremental changes that become easier once you've wrapped your head and lifestyle around it. One change for a long time. I don't do fad stuff at all. You know, like like I said, if, I don't even bother with it if it's something I don't want to do forever. Mm-hmm. I, I joke with my wife; she'll get like vegan cheese. I was like, why don't you just give up cheese? You know. To me, that's like an alcoholic drinking O'Doul's. It's like, do you want to still feel like you're doing it, or you, did you just give it up? And Come on, man. Vegan cheese is good. <laughs> How dare you? I, I, I'm, I'm guilty sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I follow her lead a lot. If you're going to have she, tacos, man, that vegan cheese, just lay it on there. Come on. She was vegan. Uh, we, we were together years ago, and we split up for almost three years, and we had some self development to do let's say that and uh we had gotten together back in 2010 and we had gotten sober we called it uh we refrained from drink Mm -hmm. for about two years and then we split up and our split up right after that i resorted back to drinking but looking back on it that's all we did we refrained from drink we weren't completely sober you know and sober is more than just putting a plug in the jug uh so now we are absolutely stone cold sober. And when we got back together, she had become vegan. But slowly, she couldn't resist all the fish I grill. And she started cheating on her vegan a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, babe, come on. You're vegan on Instagram. In, in real life, you're eating fish, but you're pretty much still vegan. Well, how about we dub you veganish? vegan-ish. A vegan eats fish. <laughs> You know, it's it, that's one of the things is is you know the diet as well as the exercise. The diet I felt has has really helped me. I went vegan. Oh wow! Well, it's been it had been well over a year, but now I can't say I'm vegan anymore because I've added fish to my diet, and I've even vegetarian. Well, there you go. So I even have uh, eggs on on occasion as well but again here i'm in the middle of the country the eggs come from the next door neighbor i know those chickens and and so you gotta eat them yeah you gotta (laughs) eat them i'm I'm obliged but i I, even vegetarians eat eggs that that's it so i i i think uh i I think about it at at the end of the day it's such an individual thing you got to do what you feels right for you but also sometimes maybe it's just worth giving something a shot to see do i feel any better when i did go go on the vegan diet i must admit i i i had um you know i was i was doing it probably more for my wife than than anything i thought well i'll support you we'll do it together and uh after i started doing it for a little while i was like Oh, 
This is better. And I would, dude, I was huge. I was huge. I wasn't like big and, 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 and fat or anything, but I was like, I was puffy, but I had a lot no, of I watched, muscle. I watched you slim down. I watched, I could see it in your face. And, uh, the amount of comments, dude. At the same time, I was doing the same thing, you know? Yeah, the amount and of I'm, comments from people going, oh, bro, you okay? You okay? What's happened? Just I, tell me you're okay. I'm like, I just went vegan, and I just went, it just everything. It was like being vacuum-wrapped. Yeah. Everything just got tighter, you know? I was like, I'm fine. Amazing. I feel great. Cutting out dairy will do Dude, dairy and red meat and, uh, you know, uh, also alcohol. Uh, it was just everything. Uh, sugar, just the whole lot. It was just, if it's not whole food, plant-based, I didn't eat it. And that means nothing processed. So, no, I've always really enjoyed uh, in your podcast when you touch base on this topic about diet, fitness, and health. And I, and I always perk right up and listen to it. And I, I listen intently to all your podcasts. Uh, the guys at the shop actually kind of make fun of me. And so, uh, but when you talk about those things, I, 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 the reason I tune in is because I, I subscribe to the same theory that uh, there's a direct connection for the artist's lifestyle and your food intake and your, you know, your fitness output. Mm -hmm. And I think they go hand in hand. There's something else that I'm trying now as an artist, because I, what I'm trying to do is just break these cliches for myself. And again, trying to come up with something that is um, sustainable. And, and the whole th the whole idea behind the podcast, look, I, I'm, I'm just a, I'm not an interviewer. I, I never thought that I'd have my own show. This is just something that happened because I had a whole bunch of people going, hey, Andrew, how do I be an artist? How do I do this full time? I'm like, well, I can only tell you how I do it. But let me talk to Dino Cook and ask him how he does it. Let me talk to Thomas Fluharty, ask how he does it. Let me talk to Lena Danya and see how she does it. You know, and all Dude, these I've learned so much from your podcast. It's it like, and you shared with me before, I hope you don't mind me saying this, that, that you felt like they didn't get the kind of numbers and the kind of audience that the tutorials get. And I just, that blows my mind. I can't even conceive that because I get so much out of them. Mm. And, you know, where I like to watch the tutorials, I like to listen to the podcast when I'm painting or drawing. Yeah. And uh, or when I'm tattooing and I, and I watch them over and over, I'll back them up. You got to watch them multiple times, you know, just like a good movie where you see things the second time that you didn't the first time. Mm. And uh, that's how I got turned on to Cesar Santos. That's how I got turned on to Carla Grace. And, yeah. you know, these are people who now I, I follow intently, you know, yeah. and I, Cesar, I'm a massive fan of now. He is, and I learned he is of him dude. because of you. He's so awesome. That guy, that crazy Cuban dude on, in his van touring, touring around uh, the United States. He's, Caesar has an energy that whenever I see Caesar's videos or his posts on Instagram, I just smile. I just a big grin ear to Absolutely. ear. I'm like, my brother, that, that guy, is, he's doing it. He's out there living it. He's, his passion is infectious. And, and uh, you know, I find Thomas Fluharty and Carla Grace, these people that I've been very fortunate to be able to just talk to them. And I get, I'm getting more than anybody, I think, out of these conversations and, and like this conversation with you, man. I, and, you know, it, it's interesting because we think we get locked into it's going to be a certain way or we have a certain idea of success or we have a certain idea of how it's going to be when we arrive. And what I'm starting to learn the older I get is there's more than one way to do this. Every artist has got their own unique story and approach. And there's a few things that I'm working on now, like I'm a work in progress, you know, as much as, you know, the next person. But the one thing I'm trying to work on now is it's like, okay, well, 
artists are temperamental and flaky, right? We're really bad with money. We don't necessarily put our health first, so we give in devices like uh, a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or whatever. Uh, you know, our relationships are unstable. Quite often, a lot of creative people come from broken homes and families and all this stuff. And I'm trying to think, what are all these 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 cliches that we can say about the artist, about the creative professional, and how can I break them systematically within my own life? Because if I look at that and I'm judging that and other people, I can actually then go ahead and recognize it in my own life and go, hang on a second, I'm a flake. Wait a second, I, you know, I might not be alcohol or drug dependency, but I can give in to intemperance like that. You know, mm -hmm. if there was a box of jelly donuts sitting right there on the planning table, that coffee table right there, dude, they're gone. You turn your back, they're gone. Me, maybe my dog, but we'll both be into them. They'll be gone. Like I, I, I'm, I'm addicted to stuff. Like I, I, my relationships maybe they need more work, you know, and all these things. And I'm starting to think that if I go ahead and focus with all my heart, energy, and attention to each facet of my life, and take this as a holistic approach, my art's going to get better. I mean, and here in it, with you talking about the exercise, I mean, there's an example of, of, of something that directly relates to creativity. I'll show you another one I'm doing. Like, so this is, this is kind of unrelated, but that's my week right there. And every week now, and, and I've got somebody keeping me to account. So my editor, who's now quickly becoming my manager, <laughs> I said, by the way, I need you to boss me, make sure I'm staying on track. Here's last week's, and I, now, now I'm starting to highlight what I got done and what I didn't get done, and it goes to the next day. And so now every day I know oh, what I have to... Way. Get, that's I'm the it. same exact way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's this idea of balance, and I think this, this idea, you know, it's different for every person. I, I'm still finding mine to be honest, you know, like I'm still, that's the coolest drink bottle I think I ever seen. Seeker swim stick, or is that just a sticker on there? Oh, that's cool, man. It's just uh, a sticker on a big Yeti. <laughs> but we do have Seeker swim Yetis made too, where they're like etched in from Yeti. Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I am, I, I'm still finding that, that balance for myself because I, I can get it out of hand very, very quickly. But it's, I, I'm a fan of methodology, you know, and these systems and processes that keep lining me back and, and redirecting me back to the goal. Hmm. Well, you know, I live like, let's just say for argument's sake, a good 30 years indulging in all the things that you talked about before that artists can notoriously get entrapped with. And so now I want to see for the remainder years of my life, what is, what is it like to live like the other half, you know, the other half lives? Like uh, now I'm really drawn to discipline. I'm really drawn to routine. Uh, I'm really drawn to commitment and, you know, basically the kind of virtues that one would hope to have for themselves, especially somebody that believes in God and, you know, considers themselves a Christian. But I, I'm not I'm not a shining example of any of those things. Any of the aspects in my life, I'm not the best at, you know. But um, so one of my best friends is is my sponsor through my sobriety, and he's he's 87 years old. His name's Clarence, and I get so much out of this guy. He is so cool. He's all he's on Instagram and Facebook, and he texts me. How many 87 year olds do you know that do that? You know, wow. he's not intimidated by the technology. But the piece of advice he gives me that um, I, I was hearing it as I was listening to you speak is uh, you were talking about all the areas in your life where you need to do all this work on. 
and I was thinking to myself, how boring would it be if, if we finally arrived at a point that all that work is done, we've arrived, everything's as good as it can get. That would kind of suck. And so really, back to his advice, what, what I was thinking when you were saying that is he says, just keep doing the next right thing. You know, you're never going to be perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. That's it. And that's it. As long as you just keep doing the next right thing, everything's going to work out just fine. Yeah. And I think this is part of what attracted me to the Christian philosophy so much. You know, this idea of picking up your cross and, and, and walking with it and recognizing that there was only one that was perfect. And we have to try to strive to live by that example and follow that as closely as we, as we can, but also recognize that you can't do it. And as soon as you claim that you're all about that, that's when people, it's like the people come out of the woodwork wanting to poke holes in your process. Well, didn't I see you do this? And didn't you say this one time? And thought and I you said, said yeah. you were a Christian. Yeah, no, I yeah. am. And I screw up just like everybody else. It's not the point. The point is not and, to... And I get the same thing. Yeah, man. I get the same thing as soon as I say that, that I believe in conservation and that uh, I'm, a, I'm a shark, basically ocean advocate. Not, it doesn't just stop at sharks. Mm. Well, then people want to, well, how can you possibly bear to eat them then? Well, they're very delicious. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, but dude, I mean, it, I try to do it responsibly. Yeah, you know, and right. I believe in responsible forms of harvesting. And who knows, maybe I'll evolve to a point where I no longer can bring myself to eat them. I'm not there right now. Yeah. And uh, so, but, it, you know, there's always the naysayers, but you, you just got to know that you're doing the right thing for you. And like I said, just keep doing the next right thing. That's it. That's Everything it. will be fine. Hey man, we've gone for two hours. Let me uh, let me tie a nice little bow around this. This has been awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and you know uh, whether you want to use this or not, or just keep it to yourself. Go for it. I'm fine with either, but I'm very honored to be on here, man. And and it's so funny because as corny as this may sound, uh, probably around a year ago, I, I like I said, I'm a big follower of your page, and and I've been extremely influenced by you. And I literally told my wife. I was like, you know what? That's a goal of mine. I want to, I'm going to do his podcast one day. And so, like, when you asked me, I don't, real, I don't know if you realize the impact that that was for me. But it, it was like, wow, you put stuff out in the universe, and you just say it's going to happen. You're going to make it happen, you know. And I told you before too, I'm coming to New Zealand, awesome. and I have a friend there with, with a tattoo shop, and uh, Matt Jordan, he owns Ship Shape Tattoo on the north part, North Island. And so I'm going to come there. I'm going to visit Matt. And I'm going to come visit you. I'm awesome. just putting that out in the, in the universe, and it's going to happen. Oh, so, well, Dino, no. Maybe we'll get to go play an air paint. I, I love that, man. That would be so cool. Oh, look, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, this has been such a blast. Thank you so much for being on The Creative Endeavor. Thank you for having me, man. It's been a thrill for me, a real highlight. Well, I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Creative Endeavor podcast, and a huge thank you to Dino Cook for joining me. What an inspiring guy. What an amazing story to have gone through so much and to end up at a place where he's happy. You know, when you hear a story like that and you hear about somebody who's, yes, arrived, achieved a certain level of success, but then is excited for more growth, more opportunity, more challenges. I think that's the goal for all of us creative professionals. Am I right? Now, look, if this inspired you and you want to follow Dino's work, then make sure you find him on Instagram at Dino Cook and also on his website, sinkorswimstudio.com.
Now, if you enjoyed this episode, then please leave me a rating or a review on whatever audio platform you're listening on. That makes a massive difference to the show and helps it become more discoverable. Now, if you haven't already heard, I've taken my YouTube channel, my old YouTube channel, and I've pulled the creative endeavor away from that. And I've separated the two now. So you can find my old painting tutorials that you used to watch on that YouTube channel, as you always did. But then now what I've got is a brand new channel for just the creative endeavor. Now, admittedly, when I did this, not many people knew where to find that video version. So if you ever want to see the video version of these podcasts, then make sure you subscribe to that new channel. It's simply called the creative endeavor. You could just type that right into the YouTube search bar and that will pull it up and you'll find all of the new episodes as a video version as well. Now, of course, if you enjoyed it, then make sure you share it on your social media. If you're going to share that on Instagram, use the hashtag the creative endeavor. And also, if you share this to Facebook as well, I'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now, if you want to connect with me, you know exactly where to find me. I'm on my website at andrewtischler.com. And while you're there, make sure you're subscribed into your name and email address into that subscribe tab. It's absolutely free to do so. Now, you might be wondering, why the heck would I want to do that? Well, let me tell you. 24 hours before my YouTube videos go live, my subscribers always have access to those. So that gives us a chance to interact in that comment section. And anytime I release a full tutorial on painting, if painting's your thing, then I always give my subscribers a huge discount at the checkout. But they're also the first to know about other things that I'm up to. So if that's something that you're interested in, then make sure you're subscribed through my website. Now, thank you so much for hanging out here with me today. I've really enjoyed your company and I look forward to being with you again very, very soon in another episode of The Creative Endeavor.